Welcome to Ideas Into Action, episode 23. I'm your host, Hamza Khan, and our producer is Kwaku Ajamang, a.k.a. Kwaku On Air, a.k.a. The One Who Listens. I just took in that unless you or another one of the listeners replays our episodes a minimum of three times, our number one listener is Mr. Ajamang. He's there for the live recordings, he cuts the audio, and he cuts the video. I know you must be sick of my voice by now, brother, but hey, we're almost at the end of the season, and we'll take a nice little break after episode 24. Give you some time to come back with a fresh set of ears this fall for season two. Our guest today is a dear friend of mine. Blair Smith is a professor of marketing and digital media at George Brown College. He's also a learning experience designer and instructor at the Canadian Marketing Association. On the MBTI, he registers as an INTP, a combination found in only 3% of the population. And what does that mean? He's an ingenious problem solver, an innovation architect, and the secret weapon. Over his story career spanning across Robert Half International, General Mills Canada, Evergreen Canada, and more, Blair has won awards for mentoring, marketing innovation, and content marketing. His goal is to cut through the buzzwords, clickbait, jargon, and endless stream of tactics and tools to demystify marketing and digital media at its fundamental parts. In this conversation, we talked about social media, the good, the bad, and the ugly. We also talked about slow and deep thinking, the importance of family, and rules for what goes into your calendar and what doesn't. I've been meaning to catch up with Blair for a minute, and I'm glad we got to do it on air for you. Folks, give it up for my good friend, Blair Smith. Blair Smith. I'm Zakan. It's been a long time coming. Yes. I've been very excited to catch up with you. Likewise. And in thinking about the get, the gift that we're going to get you, um, my mind was racing. I'm like, what do I get Blair? I have to get him something that he's going to truly nerd out about. So you know how we start every Ideas Into Action episode by hooking you up? Okay. Look at what we okay. got you. This is Cyclopedia. Oh, beauty. A hundred postcards of iconic bicycles. Nice. Now I have to admit... I tried to make this easy for you to open on air, and yeah. I accidentally cut a little bit of this, and I cut oh, into the cardboard. Take it back. You got it for like 50 cents at HomeSense, didn't you? Or 50% hey, off. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> there you go, sir. Thank you. Oh. I, actually, I want to see what's in it, so if you wouldn't mind yeah, opening it up. Yeah, we're going in. I have been plagued with intrigue while this has been resting on my desk. So maybe, I wonder if there's going to be a, uh, a fat bike that we were talking about earlier. Let's yeah, see. so fat bikes for the listeners are bikes with these massive tires and Blair was telling me right before we got on air that you can actually ride fat bikes on the, the snow. snow if you want a great sight there you go so we just got we got some vintage cruisers Damn. orange tires and for the listeners we're just beautiful, scrolling through all of these postcards. we're just looking at bike postcards and going through a trip down memory lane all these do you like this man this is great. I'm Thank so happy. You. Oh, I was so nervous. Amazing. I did not know what to get you. I'm like, what do you get? The guy who's got everything. That's a fat bike. That's a mountain bike. There's some like these. So the fat bike is these 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 bikes with like with wide tires, and they're great for riding on. They're great for riding on snow. So you can actually go out on uh, cross country ski trails and and just and just go. And the best part about it. You go, it's harder to, it's a different riding experience. And if you wipe out, it doesn't matter because you're on the snow. You're like on you the go, snow. You go, can I swear on this? <laughs> you go ass over tea all kettle. The time. That's we swear term. All the time. You go, head, <laughs> you go over the handlebars and you fall in powder and you're like, ah, this is great. Did I tell you so. the story of why I never started biking in Toronto? So when I moved here, I had a bike. I was ready to rock. I thought I was going to just ditch the TTC altogether, not use ride sharing services and bike everywhere. I swear to God, the first day I take my bike out, 
going up Bathurst and right in front of me, this lady's biking, her tire gets caught in one of the tracks. She spins, falls face forward, plants her face right on the pavement and teeth everywhere. And I was like, okay, I'm taking the bike, I'm turning back around and we're never doing this again. I swear to God, for the last six years, I have never ridden my bike in Toronto. That has terrified me. I'm sorry to go graphic with that, but geez Louise, in this war right now between cyclists and uh, automobiles, who's winning? Who's winning this great war? Because there's definitely a battle that exists here. I see it all the time. I see whenever cyclists are riding past cars and taxis, especially parked on the side of the road, fingers go up, expletives are thrown out, bells are being rung, and it just seems like it's mayhem out there. It's like the battle of winter. It's like it's a tug of war, right? You know, tug of war, and it's like everybody's going back and forth. There's no, no one's, no one's pulled the other team fully over yet. Um, Like as a cyclist, so for you, go to the side streets avoid streetcar tracks and you're good if you need some routes i will i will help you out please do so i'm at lakeshore and bathurst and i think that what i'm seeing now is more and more the city's prioritizing bike lanes we're seeing them on lakeshore we're seeing them sorry on queens key we're seeing them on spadina i think king's got a dedicated bike lane now the key i think the key is uh so find some paths that don't have streetcar tracks um and you've got to get on something that is that that is truly a bike lane. Those painted chevrons in the middle of Bay Street where cars are driving <laughs> over them, not a bike not lane. Not at all, yeah. When it's divided from cars, that's much better. Um, but yeah, you know what? Like, it's a, I don't want to call it a war, but it's a, it's a struggle because, like, everybody needs to get around no matter what your mode is. If it's walking, if it's cycling, if it's scooting, if it's uh, cars. But you got to do yourself favors, right? Cyclists don't, we don't do ourselves favors when we don't stop at stop signs or don't signal. Right. So like I get the cars get PO'd just the same as when a car is not looking and makes a right turn in front of a cyclist. Like yeah. that's not a, not a good move either, but just the same as someone walking and walking across the street, texting somebody or taking a selfie that they have to post. Mm-hmm. Like, so I don't want to say it's a war, but right. you just got to be more, more aware and maybe the system needs re- some regulations in place. Uh-huh. So that's another. And you've topic. been you've been heavily involved in the cycling community here in the city. I mean, to say that you're uh, passionate about cycling would be an understatement. Am I right? Yeah. Is it true you've got a tattoo of a bike gear? I have a tattoo of a bike gear on my forearm. Dude, that um, is commitment to the cause. <laughs> it is. Like I started, I, it was grade seven. I remember I was in metal shop and my shop teacher came in with a mountain bike and um, and I saw this mountain bike and it was just like, oh my God, it was, it was an awakening. And, uh, and then from then, so that was grade seven, I got a bike, saved up my paper route money back when paper routes were a thing and, uh, eventually bought a bike, um, got it. One of my first, uh, first jobs after the paper route was working at a bike store. I'm a, I worked as a bike mechanic for a bunch of years through high school and university, did some racing, did some riding and, um, I, yeah, now I, I commute in the city. I ride for uh, I ride for Team Batemans here in Toronto. So shout out to uh, the Orange Helmet crew. Shout out to the and, Orange Helmet crew. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's uh, it's it's many th- it's many things for me, and, and I think cycling is. Um, I've traveled. I've I've cycled in different parts of the world. It's just right. it's part of my my health, my life, my 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 mental and physical my human well-being it's part of what comprises blair smith 100 percent. 
And it feels like that's been a constant in what has been a very storied, consistent career, but with a lot of sort of zigs and zags. Like you've worked in different industries, but the one thing that has remained constant is marketing and communications with an increasing focus on digital and social. So much so that it's now come to a head with your current role as a professor of marketing and digital media at George Brown College. When you think back to some of your earlier jobs, when you think back to maybe when you were at General Mills or even at uh, Evergreen, could you have imagined that this would be the thing that you'd be doing, the thing that you'd be in love with? I mean, I feel like you found bliss with your career. Yeah. Um, I love how you use the word storied. Going back, I don't know if it would be storied, but I'll take the compliment. Thank Jeez. you. Um, Award-winning yeah, you know Blair what? Smith. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, I, 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 I've, been, I've been fortunate to be a professor, George Brown, uh, teaching, helping. You know what? I don't like the word teaching. Helping people learn and inspire mm -hmm. people. Um, about marketing and digital media. I've been doing that for about four years now. I also have a course uh, in analyti in digital analytics with the Canadian Marketing yeah, Association. CMA. And if you asked me like, what, four years and one month ago if I'd be doing this, wasn't even on the radar. Really? And I, uh, when I was working at Evergreen, I was literally sitting side by side beside my friend who is the PR manager there. And he got a phone call from his friend who is, um, who's the head of uh, continuing education at George Brown College. Said, hey, do you, I need someone to, this was, and this was literally the day before we went off on the Christmas holiday in December. Gets the phone, I was like, I need, do you know anybody who can teach social media marketing to start in <laughs> January? And my friend Anthony, he's like, well, I don't, I, I can't do it. And then he like, turned over, tapped me on the shoulder, was like, Blair, do you, do you want to teach social media marketing at, at George Brown? And I, and I said, well, uh, whatever, let me think about it. I, I, I went home to my wife that night and said, yeah, Anthony got a call today. And he, and he said, do you want to teach social media in January? And my wife's like, yeah, go and do it. And I said, Amazing. all right. So I gave Anthony a call. I said, yeah, sure. Connect me with Jonathan. Talk to Jonathan. Enjoyed Kind of enjoyed, kind of got stressed for two weeks of holiday and then came back in January and walked into the classroom the first night and it was just like an awakening. So, uh, and then the rest is history. So I'm there was so no happy. grand plan. It just happened. I happened to be um, good at it and enjoyed it. That's and an understatement, man. Thing, You're great at one, it, dude. Thank you, man. One thing led to another. Um and I, uh, yeah, I'm now uh, very happy to be a, a full-time um, teacher of marketing, coordinator of digital media marketing program. And really, it's all about helping, um, helping people figure out their marketing path. Um, what It's a very complicated, confusing industry. Best job in the world. You yeah. can't do anything better than marketing. But it's misunderstood, and, and, it's, and it's big. And how do I help people figure out where they go on that. That's the challenge that's so amazing about it. I love that. Nothing makes me happier than, than meeting people and talking to people who have realized fully the thing that they love doing, the thing that doesn't even feel like work anymore, where there's a total flow state mm. where you're enjoying every single day, waking up, thinking about the problems you're going to solve. And, uh, and you found it. One of, my, one of the most fun teaching experiences I've ever had was actually when we were with Kwaku in RTA 906 and we had the marketing jam session. Do you remember that? Yeah, for sure. It was just sure. you and I standing at the front of the class being like, hey, stump a prof. Yep. And we just handed out cards and people were asking us all kinds of questions. Some yep. of them were as silly as, what are you wearing for Halloween? And others were, what do you think about the state of the internet? Yep. Which let's get into that in just a second. And sure. by the way, I just realized something. 
Last week we had on Adam Rodericks. Have you heard of him? No. Adam no. Rodericks. He teaches at GBC in the School of Con Ed. Okay. Um, marketing professor as well. Okay. This I'll is totally to unintentional. Back to back George Brown College marketing cool. professor segment. Um, some good episodes. things happening there. Some good things happening, except Love Adam. He spoke a mile a minute. The fat, one of the fastest talkers I've ever met, and that was the, the shortest episode we've ever done here. Like Mafus <laughs> Jody was one so hour. Do I get his time minutes. then? <laughs> That's what I'm thinking, man. If you got time, like we got the studio till ten. Let's bang out. A, <laughs> let's right. bang out a long episode here, right? And plus, there's the raps aren't playing tonight, so. You know, we're, we're, we're chilling yeah, here, but sh- shout mood. out to Adam. We'll get you back on. But yeah, yeah. let's let's take a deep dive into some for of sure. the things that, you know, I wish and we'll do for season two. Maybe we'll bring all three of us in the room together and, and have a, a triple marketing jam session. Yeah, Might get Bupesh from Santa Seneca and yeah. let's just rock it out. I'd love to get your takes on a couple of things happening right now in the world of the Internet. So the first one is the call for Facebook to be broken up. Do you hear about this? Yep, for sure. What are your thoughts on that? Where do you stand on it? Oh, man, that's a big question. Um and I guess, yeah, first I of all, if you don't mind me just saying for the listeners yeah. real quick, um, legislators are calling for Facebook to be split up. They think it's too big right now. They think they have too much influence. They've grown into this massive corporation that has transcended corporation status. Mm-hmm. They're now part of the fabric of America, part of the fabric of the world, really. And that's very true. But, um, you know, their, their counter to that, Mark Zuckerberg's counter to that is we are an American company, mm-hmm. not unlike... GM or yep. Chevy or General Mills. Like, why are we suddenly being treated differently? This doesn't really hap- happen with other companies. Mm-hmm. It happens with monopolies that are very clearly defined, but this yep. is something else. It is something else. Yeah, I, um, I'm, I don't, I don't, I think it would be anti-competitive if you broke them up. It would, it would, it, it doesn't support the entrepreneurial spirit. Um, so I, I, I don't believe that they should be they should be broken up. Maybe there needs to be some regulation. Like it's a different thing. It's it's like nothing we've ever seen before, no. right? So that's the that's the challenge. They've got all this. It's not just data, but it's like Facebook is the biggest source of, of individual personal data yeah. on on a one to one basis. That is the that is the challenge, and the fact that it's it's. Um, it's kind. It's democratized communication. It's given the voice to the extremes on all sides. Absolutely, and that's where I think part of the the debate is coming in. It's not just the, it's not the, it's not just the power, but it's the it's the platform that is given that has allowed everybody to come out of the woodwork. Um, so I think there's. I don't know the answer, but I think breaking it up would be would be anti-competitive and would be against what, what the spirit of, of the free market economy is. I'm not going to talk about sure. that's, the whole other topics about w- what you believe in and support and everything. But um, yeah, I'm for regulation with Facebook. I don't know about breaking up. So as soon as that story broke, yep. um, I was just puzzled. I was trying to think about <clears throat> what this would look like, how the world would be different, how this would affect elections, how this would affect democracy. Um, and so what I did, uh, because I was stupefied, I just watched the social network again. It's been a while since oh, I watched yeah. it. 10 years old, by the way. Yeah. Aged really well. It actually gets better on, I don't know what viewing I'm on right now, but just shout out to Aaron Sorkin. Just quick, nice. quippy I'm dialogue. Not, I didn't put that back on my watch list. Yeah. But there's one dialogue that'll just make you pause and be like, huh. So there's one scene where they're talking at uh, the dinner table with Justin Timberlake's character, Sean Parker. Yeah. Um, and they're arguing Eduardo Saverin and Mark Zuckerberg. And Mark says, we don't even know what this thing is. We don't know if it's a party. We don't know if it's a company. 
let's still figure this out. Let's stop trying to monetize it. Let's stop trying to introduce, introduce a business model into it. I would say that that was as true in 2004 as it is now. Facebook is becoming something else. Mm-hmm. To call it a social network would be extremely limiting. It's, it's become a Rolodex, it's become a communication medium. I mean, it's always been a medium, but what kind of medium is mm-hmm. it? Well, it's like they've, they're fully, just recently, they've, they've changed it where it's now like group first. They're going yes. back to, to, to your groups and less, like it's a, it's, a, it's a place for groups and communities, but at the same time, they're making money hand over fist as a one-way advertising mm-hmm. channel. Um, it's a place to still catch up with your friends. And like, it's, 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 I don't know if one of the challenges is the constant, is it's moving quicker than um, maybe other types of companies. Like it, they're, they're changing on a, on a dime. Right. And the thought leaders just aren't able to keep up with the changes on it, on, 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 uh, you know, just technologically speaking with the platform and how users are using it. Um, by the time that they're able to formulate a thought about how this is affecting people on any level, psychological, mm. mental health, um, physiological even, the platform's already changed. And just thinking about the second story I want to bring up, Instagram recently removed like counts as an experiment here in Canada. What are your thoughts on that? So that's playing into our, I guess, the what is it, the dopamine hit, right? It's, yeah. it's, it's you, you see this and that's social validation. Um, but that's the, that's, it's funny. It's like they're trying to. It's it's like these these big platforms are are constant. They're still A/B testing little things, right? They've made these big changes and now, or they've created big impact and it's all these little A/B tests to get rid of the like count. That's what part of this whole is part of the psychology of social media. Mm-hmm. Do I think it's a good thing on its on the surface? Yeah, but. Might it's it yeah. When you put your marketing hat on, it might like, be too little too. From a from a marketing perspective, it's making it less addictive. It's making it less addictive. It's it might in it, it might but it might still encourage people to to utilize it more naturally. Uh-huh. As a marketer, you want to be. I want to be where my I want to be where my audience is. As a marketer, I also want to know engagement is an important part of it. So if I'm if I'm getting one less metric on engagement, I'm probably not happy about that. Right. As the you this is the thing with with marketing with with marketing in the space. One thing I always talk to my students like hey, we gotta always be doing this dance. You're wearing your marketer hat and your user hat, especially yeah. your, your social media user hat. So uh, user perspective, I think it's a good thing, but have for those of us who are in it right now, is it gonna change is it gonna impact us? Is it gonna change the psychological I hope so I I, I hope it's contractor I don't want to say damage but what we expect out of it I'm excited for for what how this what results this experiment will yield my suspicion is that people who have felt like they were on the periphery of influence on social media will no longer have that pressure looming over them Um, I think there was a time where influencers were reigning supreme and that bubble burst certainly I would say two years ago with the Lucas Sabat case and the snap the the spectacle Mm -hmm. Um, so that story was like he was paid a a gross amount of money to promote uh, spectacles the stupid snapchat glasses and uh, he failed to live up to his contract and then it really sort of exposed what was wrong with the mega influencer economy and then we talked about micro influencers and now what's happening with Instagram is making the platform more accessible for people who have something worth saying people who want to 
just share their story, but were too afraid to do that because they didn't get enough likes to justify on in a vain way um, that they were important. You know, these are the people who were posting and getting maybe 10 likes or 30 likes mm-hmm. or, you know, I don't know if that's even low anymore. I, I think that there's some high school students who would say that getting 150 likes is mm-hmm. too low. But all that bullshit's gone now with this experiment. Just tell your story. Get it out there. Express yourself. You owe it not just to uh, the people that are in the community who want to hear from you who are spending now 12 to 18 hours a day online, but you owe it to yourself. Mm-hmm. But also, like, all the different platforms have some form of liking in them. So Instagram is just one thing. If you're, if you're, if you're um, more visual-based and maybe for certain industries, but um, you've, got, you've got YouTube, Right, you mm-hmm. can you can thumb up or thumb down, or are they going to change that? Like if you're if you're doing a video, something video based, something long form, that's whatever. Mm-hmm. So are we going to get rid of the whole likes across the board? Because I think that's you. It'll be it's an interesting test, but you you're not getting you're not truly solving the problem yeah. problem universally. I hear you. What, so, what are your thoughts on this quote? So Tim Berners-Lee, the, the father of the internet, was uh, quoted in an interview with Vanity Fair as saying, we demonstrated that the web had failed instead of served humanity, as it was supposed to have done, and failed in many places. The increasing centralization of the web has ended up producing, with no deliberate action of the people who designed the platform, a large-scale emergent phenomenon, which is anti-human. So in other words, Tim Berners-Lee thinks that we've strayed far from the course. Mm -hmm. What social media was supposed to be, and I remember, you know, a time when social media was just starting out, where we started to see it really come together, 2004 to 2007, there's a lot of promise. And we thought this was going to make the world much more collaborative, much more open, much more empathetic. But I think what we're seeing now is evidenced by the populism that's sweeping all over the world. I mean, with the United States right here in our own backyard in Ontario, certainly in India, people are getting more insular. Um, more tribal almost. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure if that's the right word, but they're getting lost in their filter bubbles and you're starting to see some of that rage that you alluded to earlier where people on opposite ends of the spectrum are now able to say their piece but with increasing vehemence. Do you think, sorry, that's a long-winded question. No, the question is, do you agree with Tim, first of all? So, I think you use the word tribal. I think social media is, the intent of social media was always to connect people. So, or sorry, the intent of the internet was to connect people who might not otherwise be connected. It, it connected other parts of the world. So me, if I'm the interested cyclist and I want to connect with other cyclists um, in other parts of the world, this internet made it much easier for me to do that. So from that perspective, I think it's great. The challenge is it allows anybody with any interest and in any belief to connect. So <laughs> flat earthers, man. So so <laughs> anti-vaxxers. So you now can you can now bring some of these messages together at scale, which is the um, it's like the you, there's always a double-edged sword to everything you do. Yeah. No, so so it, it it brought the everybody out of the woodwork. So the internet, I I don't think it's failed. I think it's. It's lived up to what its promise was, but maybe we we saw it through rose-colored glasses and didn't expect the extremes to have such influence. And to the on the part of the social networks, they were kind of a like a, a, a hyper version of this, where it was all about two-way conversation with these groups fueled by the internet. Right. So now, I now it's easy for me to post and share content and like and comment and and, and everything in a very um, in a very public way. Same with 
all of the, and some people might think my cycling views are extreme and that's fine, <laughs> right? So like I, every, everybody has, everybody now has a seat at the table. The, some of the challenge with the social networks is they were, they were created as places for people to communicate in a organic way. Then they figured out people are hanging out here and we need to make money. Yeah. And the model was not built on, that was not the business and the business thrown onto it, like any, like how you would look at media traditionally mm-hmm. was an advertising yeah, any model. Group of it was all organic content. Exactly. And now we need to slice off a part for advertising. Yeah. And then advertisers reign supreme and... Um, Almost compromise the integrity of the network to a certain extent. For sure. It's not... It's it not, made less fun. It, it was like... Uh, yeah. The adults came to the party, right? Well, there's a there's a fantastic video, uh, Gary Vaynerchuk, um, who you might know. Yes. Your, uh, Crush your, it. Your listeners would know for jab, sure. Jab, 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 right hook. Yeah. Jab, like a, a fantastic guy. And I like, um, I love early Gary V when he was a content marketing guy. I yeah. love that. And I still go back to some of his videos. And there's a classic one I show at the start of every social media marketing course. It's called Marketers Ruin Everything. And, he, and, he, and he's using the metaphor of this cat and mouse game yeah. of these social, of, and, it, and it's not from, it, it didn't start at Facebook. It started with like the original tablet when we were chiseling on tablets, like the dawn of time. Media is created. People go and congregate in these spaces. Marketers want to connect with these people who congregate in spaces, so they muscle their way in by advertising. They ruin that space. People go to the next space. Yep. Marketers follow, and it's this cat and mouse game of, of marketers ruining everything. So, um, so this is the this is where the internet is not bad. Social media is not bad, but you, you're layering in this need for these for Facebook, for Instagram, for whatever, Snapchat, LinkedIn to be a, a, a viable business model. And if you're not going to charge you and me, you got to make the money somewhere. This is really interesting. I mean, my I'm just I'm thinking about so much as you're saying this, and it's making me really wish that I was in your classroom. And I, we got to do another exchange program in the semester where I got to sure. come. Let's we got to trade we'll do classes, class, do a jam yeah. session, but. You know, you, you and I, when we stand in front of the room, you know, we're both uh, young at heart, but we've got some gray in our beard, right? And I've got I think, more than you. Uh, I've mean, got a few years. You rock it. You know, I, I've got some sporadic grays over here. I yeah, need yeah. the salt and pepper that you're rocking right now. <laughs> this, this just looks like I'm uncoordinated, man. Um, but I would say this, like it's, I, I stood in front of my class at the beginning of the semester and I looked at the room and I said, there's a good chance that most of you in the room are more technically proficient when it comes to social media than I am. You probably have more followers, more engagement than I am. You're digital natives for longer than I've been on the internet. Um, or hours spent, you've probably caught up and outpaced me. But this is where I want to hear what your answer is. When somebody says, why should Blair Smith be the one standing up at the front of the classroom? What would your answer be to this young cohort of students? And I shouldn't just assume that all of them are young. I mean, a lot of them are mature students as well. But what would you say to a generation that says, hey, but you are from a different generation, Blair. You're two or three, one or two, gen- I'm not going to say three generations out. Yeah. You're one or two generations out. What can you teach me that I don't already know? So it's all about, I'm there to help them, to help them think about it and to help them uh, question and learn how to use social media and teach me. So yes. it's not about, I don't, I don't, I think this is one of the, I talk to other uh, faculty who teach social media. I look at the forums and I think there's, there's always this, I think there's this myth, this belief that I need to be the expert. I need to know exactly what's happening with Facebook and I need to teach you about it. And it's like, 
No, like 40 heads, I, 40 heads are better than one. Yeah. So I'm there to help you. I under, I, I'm there to help you apply the marketing thinking. And there's some fundamental bedrock marketing. Oh, social media is always changing. Well, yeah, social media is changing. But marketing, like marketing, marketing is not And even changing. deeper than that, communication. Yeah, there's like some the fundamental elements. Yeah. So that's my that's my like north star. That's what I put my stake in. And the rest of it is we're going to use 40 brains to talk about it and we're going to learn about it. And and it's not it's not um it's not black and white. There's no right answers in this class. So you're going to have to be comfortable with that cuz we're going to and 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 you're going to have to we're going to have to talk about how do you use it? What do you think? And then I'm going to push you to think about it from a marketing perspective. So I'm not there to be there. There's a, there's a quote that gets passed around education circles. It's, it's either being the sage on the stage or the guide on the side. I'm not there to be the sage on the stage. I'm there to be the guide right? to help, um, to really be all, it's all about learning. One thing is I, I, I feel, thank you for calling me a professor. I, I technically have that title on my business card, but every time I hear it, I, I, like, I, get, a, I get a reaction because I, I don't profess anything. <laughs> I profess that marketing is the best job in the world, yes, amen. but I don't go and I don't profess things. It's like, I'm a, I'm a learning, I'm a, I'm a designer of learning experiences because we are gonna learn together and that's fundamental to this and I've been given the opportunity to introduce it at the start of the class, but we're all going to get in and we're, it's all messy. Wait, you're going to love this quote. When one person teaches, two people learn. No. And uh, I credit you. In fact, I, I quote you by name in my teaching philosophy statement that I have to reapply at Ryerson every single year. It's so weird. When you're a sessional instructor, people assume that you just keep on getting the gigs, not to keep on applying for the same job over and over again. Yeah. It's kind of like Groundhog, Groundhog yeah, yeah. Day, man. Uh, but I say that what Blair Smith has done for me is you've, I mean, I remember when I took my curriculum to you, we were sitting outside Whatabagel and you generously offered your time and your expertise and you offered a really fair critique of my curriculum and you said, this is very one directional. You need to practice a flipped learning approach, a flipped classroom approach where you do exactly what you said. You utilize the 40 or however many people, uh, however many brains are, brains are in the room to have jam sessions, to be more collaborative, for them to talk to each other, for you to give them things, to give the students things to think about so that they come to class and they're not just hearing a one-way didactic um, delivery of content. And what I've even done with my classes, I've, I've stopped showing videos in class. I'm like, hey, you can just access this on your own yeah. time. Come back with questions, come back with discussions. Let's make the best use of the three hours that we have because, man, you and I are both speakers. We know it is really hard to hold the attention of anyone for more than 30 minutes. Yeah. Three hours, I'm I it doesn't matter if I'm juggling on stage. Yeah. You're gonna you're gonna tune out. Well, you know what? It's funny, like this you're like you're get this is this is fundamental to how I the challenge. This is like the burden that I that I now bear is is inspiring people to learn marketing. And yeah, it's like it's 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 getting into the the nuances of videos it's not value added time for us all to be sitting there for five minutes watching that video. You watch that on your own time and then we talk about it or if there's something you didn't understand or we go to that next level. Um, and then even with a, I'm gonna use another word that I, that I don't like and I'm gonna get on a bit of a pedestal, the word lecture. Because yeah. that's so tied up in the word professor. And when I think of the word lecture, I think of, 
a TED talk that you design and deliver. It's an experience and what and and what and that's the standard I hold a lecture to. Mm-hmm. The challenge is every single week you can't pull off a TED talk every single week. And if you look at most university professors and what they actually put on their it's a it's a horrific um, presentation. Oh God! Most of the time, it's, they're it's, just reading it's paragraphs off paragraphs of slides. It adds no value. So I'm like, look, until I can deliver TED quality, TED Talk quality stuff, I'm not lecturing. Yeah, I will throw out, and I've, I, I'm, I'm kind of taking a more a minimum a minimal classroom approach. I had last semester. I tried one, uh, one. It was a simple, a simple. Um, uh, equation, a calculation, it was an analytics course. And we had one equation, literally, it was this much, it was <laughs> this much, you can't, it was a small piece on a, it's or like a small, ruler sized, yeah. Like a paragraph on a piece sure, of paper. Yeah. And that sparked two and a half hours of conversation. Wow. So this idea of the jam session, um, I, I, the in-class time is, is a great place to, to jam, not have a produced performance. The, the jam is where learning happens and everybody's involved versus the produced me to you, which is not, um, it's right in certain circumstances, mm-hmm. but not for the entire semester of a course. I would agree with that. Uh, man, I can't wait. I can't. I can't wait until we have our next collaboration, the next Blair Blair Smith featuring Hamza or Hamza featuring Blair yeah, Smith. Yeah, sure. We'll get it done. Speaking of produced, man, do you want to lean into the dark side of social media and dark side of marketing a little bit Absolutely. with our with our little Hamlet esque yes, Halo skull over sure. here? You're probably wondering yep. what the skull was about. I was. But you read the briefing notes and you know that this is all about a game, right? Yep, I'm ready. I got a fun game plan for us. Okay. Have you played Heads Up before? Yeah. Okay, so you know the rules for Heads Up. Yep. Fantastic. I'm going to set a timer for two minutes each. And basically, we're going to start with buzzwords. And so let's just do an example of this for the listeners, right? I have this over here. You basically have to t- get get me to guess what this word is without actually saying any of the words here. Okay. So let's practice this one round real quick for okay. the listeners. Uh, two letters. Um, uh, you mean two words? Two, oh, two wor- letters. Two words, short form, two vowels. Uh, oh gosh, this is tough, eh? <laughs> this, is, uh, this is a tough one. I think the trick um, is just use synonyms. Yeah, yeah. Uh, unreal stupidity. Uh, oh God, I'm bad. I think you use antonyms right there, so that would be artificial <laughs> intelligence. Yeah, yes, thank you. There I'm not go. an English professor. I'm a marketing prof. Thanks, buddy. It's it's all good. So so this was this was a nice warm up round. Yeah. What I'll do is I'll set a two minute timer over here, and oh. basically now, ha- now it's like now all the answers are coming into my head. Now now, now you're yeah. getting it. Yeah. Should I go first? No, hit me up. Okay. Yeah, all right. I'll Let, go again. Let's do this. So we'll do we'll do a two minute timer, and basically whoever has the most stickies at the end wins. Okay. So my. Oh, so you're going to hold on to this, yep. so don't look at what you have over here. I have to make you guess what these words are, and basically when they're done, peel them off, put them on your leg, and you're going to collect. Okay. All right, so this is um, Marketing Buzzwords Heads Up with Blair Smith. Three, two, one, let's go. Uh, the initials for this two-letter term are AR. Augmented reality. Boom. Um. My Apple Watch is one of these. Wearable. Boom. Uh, billion dollar businesses are referred to as this mythical creature. Unicorns. Boom. Oh, you're on fire, man. Wait, hold. These are my points. Oh, those are yours? Oh, no, this is good. No, this is good. Keep it going. Keep it going. <laughs> Keep it going. 
Um, don't sabotage me. Uh, uh, um, uh, Gary V is one of these influencer. Uh, very close. This is some somebody who publishes blogs and has Thought leader. Boom, you got it. You're rocking this. <laughs> um, I, I forgot about these. Mar marketers try to refer themselves try to refer themselves refer to themselves as this instead of marketers. Strategists. Uh, uh, think about sitting around a campfire and exchanging. What are you exchanging? Bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, let's, let's pass. Let's pass on this one. I was struggling. Uh, oh, um, uh, uh, the things that you get on Google Analytics. Metrics. Uh, another word for metrics. Units KPIs. of measurement. What, what are units of measurement? It's a four-letter word. And it's the opposite of small. Uh, data. But what kind of data? Not, not small big, data. Big data. Big data. Boom. Very good. Oh, you're on fire. Oh, I'm on fire. Why do I keep yeah. on saying it's you? Uh, how much time do we have? 34 seconds. Oh, okay. fuck. Um, on, on Facebook right now, these are very popular. Brands are using them so that... Stories. Uh, no, so, so that people don't have to talk with you anymore. Uh, Chatbots. Chatbots, boom. Okay, okay, okay. Um, oh, um, uh, uh, this is the sort, the sort of platforms where things disappear. What is the, the category of them? Uh, stories, highlights. Uh, uh, Snapchat's an example of this. This is a place where marketers can't find any data. It's the opposite of bright. Dark. Yes. Web. And oh, so close. Dark social. Dark social. Oh, oh man. Thank you so much. You hooked me up. You were on fire. So I have one, two, three, four, five, six points. Okay. And uh, I messed up on storytelling, storytelling. and dark oh. social. All right. All right. Now it's my turn to hook you up. So okay. can I got can I grab my stickies? Yep. One, two, three. Four, five. I thought I was getting the points for being the guesser. All right. No, no, no. So now you're going to get the describer. Points. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So you basically have to beat six. Six. All right. Okay. So uh, is that correct? Is it upright? Yep. Okay. Awesome. So here we go. Uh, your two minutes are beginning, Blair, and I will do my best to answer them starting now. When I give you a wedding ring, it's called... Engagement. Yes. Uh... There are uh, celebrity, macro, and micro... Influencers. Yeah. When something is easy to reach on a tree, it's called... Low-hanging fruit. Yeah. Gary Vee is all about the... And it's a dance from the 70s. Um, uh, there's a culture to... Um, entrepreneurs always talk about the... Oh, oh, hustle. Yeah. Boom. Uh, when... Trying to make uh, trying to make make an experience more fun to play. It's called uh, gamify. Yeah, gamification. Gamification. Uh, uh, when a blogger promotes products on their site, someone clicks and buys it. They get a um, they Reward. get a small percentage of the um, revenue. It's a type of this topic we're talking about. Uh, two words. Marketing. Uh, it's about marketing. Second word is that. First word is. Um, pass. Oh, pass. Okay. Can I? Oh, fuck. When you, marketing. <laughs> when you share, uh, when when you create some content that goes that goes crazy. Buzzfeed was great. Viral. Yeah. Um, Mill Street makes a delicious beer like this. Also, content that is unpaid. It's known as um, organic. Yeah. Mill Street. Very. I just got it right. <laughs> Did uh, you crush me? What the hell? Uh, Marketing technology is promising this when we segment our, our customers and we can communicate them in a more... Personal. Per 
longer the longer firm version of that um pers personalize personalization sure. yeah, yeah. boom um what everybody wants to do but nobody truly understands what it actually is oh shit um when so, lots of industries are being are talked about being oh what is it disrupted disrupted dude you swept house man <laughs> what the hell? this was only, this wasn't even fair all right, Siri, hold on one second. That was Dude, great. Dude, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. You crushed me by two, so it wasn't that close. So, no, way to go, sir. But yes. hold on, hold on. Yep. There's, there's, oh, there's, there's another a, round. There's, there's another round. round. Okay, there's a bonus right. round. We have to bring out two games yep. for this. So, I'm six, you're eight. All right. Congratulations. This next round is going to be a little tougher. Okay. So, these ones are worth two points each. Okay. Aha. Uh -huh. You're doing the math on this, right? Yes. Okay, so, I have to get one more of these to tie you and two more of these to beat you. So, let's just do a test run. So, that was marketing buzzwords. This is marketing phrases. And how this works is you're going to see a line underneath a word on this phrase. Okay. You can't tell me anything other than repeating what this phrase is, but you have to replace the word that's underlined with the word something. So just go ahead and say that, but replace okay. the word that's underlined with something. Something is the new oil. So I would say data. Yeah. And if I get that, point for me. Okay. Ready? So we're going to make this even tighter. It's only going to be one minute now. Okay. And so these are common marketing Am phrases. Am I describing for you right now? Uh, you know what? Let's flip it. Go back. Let's flip okay. it. So you hang on to that. <laughs> All right. So this is marketing cliche phrases heads up with Blair. One minute to go for you, and then I go right after this for the tiebreaker, starting now. Uh, open the something. Door. Marketing. Open the email. I can't give you the answer. I can't say uh, anything else, so you can pass. Uh, open the, open the, open the, open the. Open the wallet. No. Pass. It was kimono. Come on, that dude. Uh, fail something. Fail faster. Yep. Oh, damn, this is tight. Um, Bright, shiny something. Uh, bright, shiny object. Boom, you got it. Oh, wait, this is me. Content is something. King. Queen. Yep. King, you got it. Distribution is queen. Distribution is? That's yeah, there you go. Okay, so you got is that. Is that distribution yep. is queen? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I'm also go. a mind reader. Um, low hanging fruit. Oh, damn. Dude, you're on fire with these. This is not even fair. So these are actually your points. Yep. Surprise and something customers. Surprise and delight. Yep. I'm getting murked here. Uh, hit the something running. Graham. Oh, dust clutch. Okay, so you have one, two, three, four, five, six. You have 12 points now. God okay. damn it. So what, you need three um, more points? Yeah, I'm going to have to get oh, six of those. I'm going I'm okay. to have to get eight of these to win. Oh, boy. All right. Hamza. You can do you it. You can do this. If I get eight of these, I win. If I get less than eight, All right, I'm, I'm done. I'm going to count to seven. That's how All right, I got in three, there. three. Two, one, boom. Think outside the something. Box. One. The customer journey is something. Um, complicated. Nope. Complex. The customer journey is... Uh, pass. Okay. Oh, fragmented. Break, Fuck. Break down Silos. something. Yep. Move the something. Ne needle. Yep. Let's touch something. Oh, uh, base. <laughs> These are great, man. <laughs> Guru, Guru ninja Wizard. something. Nope. Um, uh, uh, 
Rockstar, Rockstar. <laughs> yes. That's all my favorite men. I forgot oh, about Take these. it something. Oslo? Nope. Um, take it somewhere. Take it, take it offline. Yeah. One, two, three, four, five. Oh, I got two more to go. SC. Oh, next. I said oh, next? Okay. Um, fully something marketing strategy. Um, oh, no. I what is it? this. Integrated. integrated. Oh, and there were two more left. Boil the frog and fully integrated. Oh, <laughs> dude, Classic. good game, man. Yeah, it was good. What? Oh, that was fun, man. That was fun. That was a good game. <laughs> Doesn't make you I realize think... just how silly the industry can be at times, man? Yeah, there's a lot <laughs> of buzzwords in there. I don't even know what just happened. I don't yeah. know what any of those things mean, except for storytelling. I believe in that. Totally, man. Congratulations, dude. Let's get into now some productivity chat, man. We've talked sure. a lot about marketing and social media, and I love this. I love it when we can nerd out. This reminds me of one of my favorite episodes that we did with Herbert Louis, where we spent the first hour and a half just talking about Kanye. And I have to give you a disclaimer. I'm like, if you want to get to the stuff that you came for, the productivity listeners, just skip to the halfway mark. And so I know we have a lot of marketing communications, social media, PR professionals, and I think this is going to be a real treat for them. And if you're still with us, uh, thank you so much. We're going to get right now into some productivity chat with Blair Smith. So we're going to talk about how you manage and optimize three things, your time, your energy, and your attention. And I'm really excited to chat with you about this because we've never talked about this at all. No, we haven't. So I really want to sort of open the kimono yes, and yeah, understand yeah, yeah. what's happening over there, man. Yeah. A really problematic <clears throat> phrase, by the way, man. We should probably not it use is. that. Yeah. Open it, the kimono. That's, that's wrong on so many levels, <laughs> man. Um, let's start with time, man. Yeah. So you are an INTP on the Myers-Briggs scale. What mm-hmm. does that mean? Uh, you know what? I know the I, the I part is introvert. Introverted. Um, and then the other, uh, intuition, thoughtful. I, f- yeah. I, I forget what it all means, but fundamentally. What's the essence, yeah. The, what, it, what it means is there's only 3% of the population that's like me. Wow. So it's a, I think it's the smallest of the personality um, groups. Uh, and I think it's also thus slightly misunderstood. So... Uh, depending on how you what you read, uh, the INTP is is described as a um, innovation architect, a dreamy professor. I don't know what that's hey, all about, yeah, but I'll, would, I'll would take, agree with I'll that, take that. I'm liking the shirt. Um, thank you. Um, or uh, or the secret weapon. So yes. it's this interesting place of um, of being uh, analytic, being forward thinking, um, but saying few things but when spoken there's usually weight behind those thoughts and those words and is it safe to say that the thinking that goes into that is very slow and deep and methodical um in 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 a lot of cases yeah but in some cases it's 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 just being able to cut through a lot of the noise but yeah there's definitely an element of thinking of of considering the different uh, the different possibilities in there for and sure. What are some of your strategies for creating the capacity to read and think and reflect? Because in order to produce the sort of engaging content that you do, whether it's with a CMA or George Brown for your personal brand, uh, I know as a fellow marketer that a lot of work has to go into the production of that. And uh, the only way it's going to be good is if you actually take the time to sink your teeth into mm-hmm. material and truly understand it and develop some wisdom and actionable insights. How do you, with all the things you've got going on right now, first of all, make time and make the capacity for deep learning? So yeah, uh, there's, there's, a, there's a few things. One, you can't make time. We literally only have 24 hours in the day. Yes. So there's... Carve, I, slice, car, steal. Yeah, how you allocate time. But <laughs> one of the... One of the 
the benefits to the work that I get to do is part of my whatever hour work week, let's just for argument's sake say my 40 hour work week, part of that includes time to do this. I'm not in the classroom for 40 hours. Um, I get time for for prep, Um, I get it's just it's baked into what I'm supposed to be doing so I have I would consider a luxury to be able to um, to bring my INTP-ness in that's that's the thing yeah (laughs) INTP-ness my (laughs) INTP-ness oh (laughs) that's gonna get cut out (laughs) we gotta veto that one we're keeping that one (laughs) What do you bring to your classroom, Blair? That's an example of my thoughtful (laughs) self, right? It's like thinking even in the moment of bringing, of of being able to... Your INTP qualities. Bring my INTP qualities into the the classroom. So so part of it is just, is, 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 is just that. That my, my biggest challenge is on the flip side of that, having the time is time boxing and time limiting when I've like ground something too much. I've got to, I, I sometimes need to pull, pull myself out of my thoughts and go, okay, now it, like you've spent too much time on that. Mm-hmm. So naturally it's just part of my, my day to day. So I'm fortunate enough, right? I don't feel stressed that I have to create time for that. Does your stress increase as you get closer to deadlines? Or are you the sort of person that just feels like, you know, you, you kind of glide towards them? Because I know people on both sides. No, it's funny. Now, I um, my stress increases always at the, for sure, the start of every semester. Going in, your immediate, there, there's a lot of administrative work that needs to go into the start of a semester. And then just, you're meeting a lot of people for the first time. And it's all the stuff that we think about, well, the, will they like me will i will i learn from will will they learn from me will they get what they want there's a lot of that going and will how will it's an intensely personal thing that i do right so i get a lot of stress based on start of the semester um you know what there's stress around grading everybody thinks that they're an a student yeah uh, i don't mark on curves i don't there's there's no and it, there's it's you earn what you what you get but like a, a, a B is meeting expectations and A is exceeding them and everybody thinks they're exceeding expectations and mm-hmm. anytime I put in a mark that's less than an A it's like someone's going to question it Absolutely. if it's a C no doubt where did you take away marks where did it's like I didn't take away anything you just didn't demonstrate the effort to meet expectations yeah. so I get stress around those things and um, I think inevitably we all I, I, maybe I shouldn't say we all but I think there's a little bit of procrastination in there. So it's like, oh yeah, I've got two weeks to get something done. I've got a week to get something done and you kind of make some progress. But then it's like, oh yeah, that's due tomorrow. So some of those points come up at uh, at times despite mm-hmm. the best. It's like you work on a, you're working on a deck, right? You work on a, on your, say a TED sure, talk. Sure, yeah. Don't tell me you're not looking at it the night before you're oh, looking at it. Oh, 100%. Sometimes the day of. Yeah. Man, so which is like a rule that I try not to do. It's like, hard, like, right? Don't look at it the day of. But my last talk, I was super nervous. I was yeah. I was looking at it on the on the Uber ride to the venue. I'm like, Ugh, yeah. why am I doing this? Because my stress was commensurate with the size of the opportunity. Yeah. So so deadline. So there's, there's different points, different deadlines. It's... It, it, 
I think it's it's probably normal. We all have stress in those types of ways. Absolutely. And I think that we get to a place in life as we progress where the stress becomes less de-stress, which is the bad kind of stress, the stress that sort of disrupts your equilibrium. And we move to a place where it's good stress, the EUU stress, which is a stress that is like the precursor to the thing that we love doing and the outcomes that we desire. Uh, switching gears and talking about energy a little bit. You've got a beautiful family, Blair. Um, your family is an oasis for you. They're a source of happiness and joy and they replenish you. Are there any rituals that you have together as a family that you look forward to that you say, you know, this thing that we're going to do together, you know, even if it's just a small interaction that you have with your daughter, for instance, mm-hmm. um, that you're intentional about that gives you energy? What are some of those things that happen on, on a regular basis? Uh, the one the one specific thing that we, we try to do is eat dinner together. So good. Um, Underrated, man. Underrated. So, yeah. Um, and we, we're fortunate enough with the work that we do, there's a fair amount of flexibility in it that we can... Um, we can manage that. We can manage the twenty-four hours in our day um, to align to these things that both my wife and I that we the, that we that we need. So um, that one specific thing is uh, is dinner together, and that's inflexible. Nothing moves for that. I don't want to say it's inflexible, but um, say it's in a, be a good in reason. A, yeah. In a seven-day week, we eat dinner together more than half the time. Oh wow! So so it's it's pretty. Um, it's pretty solid, and I think because we get a chance to do it, I don't have data on it more more often than maybe other people. Um, it's easy to it's easy enough to say, oh hey, I've got to take off at five p.m. or six p.m. to go do something tonight. Absolutely. Um, so, uh, but that dinner thing is one of the is one of the bedrocks for uh, for that family base of energy. I love that. That's a, that's such such an important thing to have. And yes, it can be flexible, but you should try to be. It should be as non-negotiable as possible so mm-hmm. that you can tell people that this is something that you have to adjust around. Like this is something that is essential to my functioning as Blair. For me, that's like waking up at a certain time in the morning, going to the gym, making sure that I've carved out time for lunch, for instance, and letting people know that want to book me for 12 p.m. Like, hey, so is this going to be a lunch meeting? Uh, and that's my usual retort to them whenever they try to book me for that particular slot. So I suggest that we should be eating during this time. Yep. Otherwise, uh, if you let things slip in your calendar, then uh, it becomes a slippery slope. Eventually, your calendar begins to manage you versus the other way around yeah and when it comes to attention the last piece of the performance point like what are your rules for deciding whether or not something goes into your calendar so i reached out to you i'm like hey blair you want to jump on the podcast and you very generously accepted the offer and this now entered into your calendar what are your rules for um, deciding whether or not to accept an invitation or to move a piece of work or a priority and convert it from an email or text message into a calendar block uh so any any email I get from Hamza is in the calendar. Hey, man, thank you. Likewise, man. For sure. But there's a lot of, you know what? It, it's, there's, the one, the one biggest challenge is the, the hey, can you, can you meet for coffee? I want to sort out my career in marketing mm-hmm. um, or conversations like that. And that's the, that's the tricky thing to manage because uh, I'm very flattered to be in a position that people want to hear about that. Yeah. But I could literally be kind of having these types of coffees um, on a daily basis. Absolutely. So one thing that I've done is uh, I try to shift it from an in-person coffee to a phone call or an online meeting that saves travel time. Because that's a big thing, right? You go somewhere and it's at least... 30 minutes to an hour on either side of that. Maybe you're traveling. You might have to, it's going to disrupt your flow. 
So I try to spin those coffee meetings into a phone call or uh, or an online an online meeting that I can I don't have to commute to. That's yeah. that's probably the the quickest way to meet that type of um, demand. Type of yeah. Demand. Do you use Calendly? I don't. You know what's? It's funny. I was listening to one of your uh, one of your earlier podcasts. Yeah. It's great hearing other people's tips for uh, for productivity. And I think um, uh, you were talking about how you've tried all of these different project management apps and calendar apps, and and you go you go to a journal. And yeah. I've actually I'm 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 similar. I've tried those i've tried the project the task management apps and um recently i started uh i started bullet journaling again i think this is not this is a topic you've heard of on your i think uh lauren talked about this on her podcast yeah Yeah. and it's 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 a great tool that um that i use to manage my my dates and i like putting i'm a writer i like putting pen to paper Mm -hmm. so that's that's what i use to to really manage my days is a is a paper based journal because a lot of stuff people people send like I get lots of Outlook invites and meeting yeah. requests that I don't control or Calendly doesn't work great for mm-hmm. so those fill up and then I use my I I kind of look at that but then I write in my journal and whatever's the gap that's how I solve my time so I, I very I use my journal, journal right. my journal is my main my bedrock of um, no, for sure, of man. productivity I've got mine right here, the yep. productivity journal, the productivity planner, which is the, the one that I use. But the reason I bring up Calendly is to triage those requests that you get for coffee meetings yes. all the time. So uh, this morning, I met one of your mentees, uh, Ashley, fantastic conversation. But when she reached out to me on LinkedIn, what I've done is I've got this down to an art now. I've minimized the back and forth about when are you free? When are you free? Where do you want to meet? What I kind of do right now is if somebody's reached out to me, I just assume that the dynamic of that relationship is such that they're going to come to meet me, yeah. which is a bit of a dickish thing to say. But given how busy it's we true. are, yeah, we just sure. have to be like, hey, this is an option. Yeah. The first option that I give is, do you want to Skype call if you want to meet in person? I'm so sorry. I'm sandwiched between meetings, but it's got to be on my turf. So she was very gracious. She came all the way down to Starbucks over here. But what I did, sent her the Calendly link. And now here's the interesting thing about Calendly. You can actually hide some of the calendars. So the only ones that I have available for public facing for people that are meeting for the first time is during the workday. But if it's friends, then I open up weekends and evenings yeah. and like the lunch coveted yeah. brunch spots and all of that. But for Ashley, I'm like, here's a Calendly link. And I found the phrase that works because I was really apprehensive about this early in my career. I would send people Calendly and be like, book a time. And it'd be like, what the fuck? I'm not your assistant. You book me a time, please. Or you let's find a mutual time. But now what I say is, hey, you know what I've done, Ashley? I've compiled all of my availabilities for you over here. Take a look and find something that works with your schedule. Yeah. Slight change of hand over there. Yeah. But she was like, oh, this is very flattering. You've made this very easy for me. But really, no, Ashley, you've made it very easy for me. And my rules are such that you can't book me more than a week in advance. So I actually never get like thrown off when the week starts. I like the sense of permanence of my calendar that I'm mm-hmm. like, I can telegraph the entire week and know that nothing's going to be random here. And that uh, you only book me for slots that I have to open up. Yeah. So the week before I go like, I'm going to open up this lunch, that yeah. coffee, this lunch, that coffee. And suddenly now Calendly has become this blessing that just conveniently slots people in where I'm not going to experience maximum energy expenditure. So, so I was on for that meeting with Ashley, yeah. but that was the only other meeting I had other than meeting you today. Okay. So I guarded my energy. I might have to, did I sell you? Yeah, <laughs> I, might ha- I might have to jump back. I might have to jump back in 
and uh, and give it a try for sure. That's it. Yeah. Blair, how about we transition into the rapid fire round now? Okay. These are 10 bespoke questions just for you. Now, some of them are fan favorites. We've asked these questions of other guests, but some of them have been tailored specifically to you. And I've thrown one or two curveballs in there as well. So we try to get you going on a certain line and then boom, we switch up the question on you. So these are 10 questions. And the trick here, obviously, with rapid fire is to answer with the first thing that comes to mind. Ready to rock, sir? Yes, sir. This has been so much fun, man. All right. Uh, Question number one. Oh, this again. Rapid fire, 10 questions with Blair Smith. Question number one. Music, podcasts, audiobooks, silence. Rank them in order of what you prefer most to least when cycling. So again, music, podcasts, audiobooks, silence. Most to least when cycling? Yeah. Music, silence, podcast, audiobook. Oh, very interesting. I would think you were podcast, audiobooks first. I didn't think audiobooks was going to be all the way fourth. No. What, I, ki- what kind of music do you listen to? Uh, you know what? It's funny. And on my, um, on my Strava, which is a social network and tracking um, platform for athletes, for cyclists. Of course there's one. I, yeah. Of course there is. You got you to track, track our kilometers and everything. I put in, um, whenever I'm doing a ride, I, I sometimes, if I'm not listening, I'll sing to myself and I'll, I'll think of a, like I've got a theme song for the ride. So at the, in my Strava post, I'll always put a, a song inspired that specific ride. So I don't, I don't actually listen to a, a certain song. It depends on, on my mood. I like, um, yeah, I'm, I like Usually when I'm riding, I like something more upbeat. Like I like hip hop. I'll listen to EDM. Like my yeah, my get that heart my, rate you know synchronized. My, my, with my the like beats. my um yeah my my kind of my secret uh, my secret obsession is just like upbeat, poppy, high tempo dance music. Of That's it. So different Katy types. Perry, get it in there, man. Yeah. So I don't know about Katy Perry, but any <laughs> the, like the DJs and stuff like like I'm that's. Uh, that's what I listen to. So, um, yeah, best song though for pump up and for before race, uh, classic Galvanize, Chemical Brothers and Q Tip yes, is from the mid nineties. That is, man. if you ever want to get pumped up, that is my pump up. And song. so many great remixes to that too, right? <sighs> so good. Don't hold back. Don't hold back. That's the those are the words. It's so good. Yeah, you might you might get me cycling again this summer, man. It might be time to just put on a helmet. Put in a mouth guard like Steph Curry, just do <laughs> and it, just right? go, or just listen to the song. Like that's gonna be, when, you, when you when you need to get pumped up, galvanize. Totally. I'm gonna walk home else. and listen to that. Uh, question number two: yep. What's your biggest pet peeve as a professor? When students say, "Where did you take away marks?" Because it assumes that you started out with a hundred percent, and and I am the victim, uh, or sorry, and you are the victim that I have. I have somehow robbed, robbed you. Yeah. So in week one, I say, look, you're all starting out at zero. There is no curve. You can earn as many marks up to 100%. And in some cases, that there's bonuses above that. And go for it. Um, and you're going to land wherever you land, you land. So it's this idea that I'm there to take away, take away marks and you come into a class starting at 100. What's the thing you love most about being a professor? Being able to to inspire, to help people build their marketing liter- literacy. I think it's an essential literacy for people. I think it's a misunderstood thing. And having the privilege of, of, of 120 
plus people every semester choose to spend their 15 weeks with me to build their marketing literacy, it's fantastic. Boom. Uh, Amsterdam or Toronto, the better cycling city? Amsterdam, hands down. Hands down, huh? Yeah, I think we've both been there. Yeah, um, recently I, too. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give a nod to my age. I spent my 40th birthday cycling around Dang. the Netherlands. The um, best. And Amsterdam, it was, we flew in late one night, got in, we woke up the next morning, kind of cotton-eyed, got a, got a, a coffee and breakfast sitting on the street, watching people of all ages and shapes and sizes biking, biking, cycling, <laughs> cycling by on that their, works, yeah. on their day to day. It was just unbelievable. So there's a different culture with cycling over there. Like people, I've seen people in Amsterdam when I went that one time. People were cycling and answering emails like it was nothing. Yeah. Yeah, it's, families it's subconscious like everybody, for them. and yeah. everybody looked good. Yeah, there it, it didn't break no a sweat. No one looked like cyclists. They they were dressed amazingly. No accidents. And no accidents. It all it all worked. So just as a as a as a as a lifestyle, Amsterdam, hands down. Now curveball, Amsterdam or Toronto, better food city. Ooh, it's got to be Toronto. Toronto's got just the multicultural aspect of Toronto. You can get any type of food you want. Um, and really great execution of it. So See, Bailey and I were debating Toronto. this as well because while we were in Amsterdam, we loved everything that we ate. Mm-hmm. We, we were hard-pressed to find a Yelp review less than 4.5, but then it dawned on us when we got back to Toronto. Perhaps the state that we were in was informing... Um, <laughs> Your the, food choices? Our, our food choices. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and, and similarly, <laughs> people who were re- reviewing things on Yelp were also in a very elated state. So. Yes. I wonder, I wonder. But you know what, there's, if I can just play on that, one of the things with the reviews and like TripAdvisor and Yelp, like very rarely anybody gets a bad review. Like yeah. everybody puts in the front of their thing. It's like rated four on TripAdvisor. Like everybody gets a four. No one gets two. No. <laughs> so it's like, I don't like, it's like get rid of all the reviews because they don't mean anything anymore. Not really. But. Uh, oh, I'm excited to ask you this one. <laughs> What's the biggest lesson that fatherhood has taught you? Oh, there's something more important in the world than yourself. Oh, man, you know what? For sure. My Every daughter, time a father tells me that, I get chills. Because I, I know it's going to happen for me. And I know like, that. I'm, it, I can't it, wait. It's I one of those so. things you, you, don't, you don't know until you're, you're there. And literally the moment Marla was born, the, the switch flipped. Like the week before, you could throw a Sick Kids commercial on the TV. And I'd be like, pass the chips. What's going on? Yeah. As soon as Marla was born, tears. <laughs> oh, my tears. goodness. So it just... There's, there's just something really uh, special about what a child brings from that first moment. Jeez, Louise. Um, which company is most likely to acquire Snapchat? Uh, which company is most likely to acquire Snapchat? Facebook tried. Didn't happen. Yeah, it would still be... You know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw a curveball at you. Maybe we'll say Microsoft if they want to get into uh, a bit deeper into a more consumer more populist type of sure. uh social platform be snapchat they already own linkedin yeah so maybe that could be their uh their top their player answer. i was thinking disney but mm. you're right microsoft that makes a lot more sense maybe maybe um what's a game-changing book that everyone should read the subtle art of not giving a fuck mark manson boom that's lot it's very actionable um everybody's gonna like it because it's got a nice four-letter word on it but i found it it was it was really 
practical and really got you to think hard about your decisions. And it was all about making decisions, Mm -hmm. getting rid of stuff, but like you still have to make the decision to get rid of stuff and make the decisions in your life. And that's the the blessing and the curse that we have as humans. Absolutely. Uh, We're almost done. Number eight, other than this podcast, of course, what are three podcasts that you think everyone should check out? Six Pixels of Separation, Mitch Joel. Mitch Joel, shout out to um, Mitch Joel. Uh, download this show, Mark Fresnel. Uh, this is from Australia. It's a, it's on uh, media, technology, and culture. Uh, okay. Fantastic. And what else am I... You know what? There's a lot of bad podcasts out there that I'm not loving. Those are two of my go-tos. What's my wild card that I've added recently? Any comedy podcasts? Sports podcasts? You know what? I'm... Uh, the Minimalist Podcast. Oh, shit. The Minimalist Podcast. Which one? Do you listen to our... The, the, minim- the, the Minimalist. Minimalist, yeah. Uh, I think Kelly Foss recommended that as well. And I think she's part of that organization. I could be wrong, but... So that's one I, I... They're getting... Uh, yeah, I, I kind of talk into every so often. But I like a lot of... Um, yeah, I'm kind of a marketing nerd and trying to work on my kind of life stuff. So those are my three. Sweet. Nine out of ten. What's the last movie that made you cry? The Notebook. Yo, when did you watch it? A while ago. A while ago. You haven't cried since then, dude? I got to hook you up with some real not pathos, tear jerking, heartstring pulling no, movies. No, for sure. Damn. Yeah. Got to make you watch, I don't know, maybe John Wick 3, man. I feel like that's going to be oh, a real tear jerker, man. Yeah. Can't wait. Um, and, dude, you've, you've given us so many great pieces. I don't know why I said John. <laughs> <laughs> Like the notebook. It's the like notebook. When the, it's like Ryan Gosling's first movie and Rachel McAdams' first movie. That was like 15 years ago, man. You didn't watch La La Land? Oh, uh, yeah, I did. That didn't make you cry? I was a baby you in know that, what? dude. I, it's, I cry now. It's, I cry at random little cries. Like I probably cried in the Lego Batman movie for something when he like exposed his vulnerable self for a moment. Like there's little things, but when I like yeah. literally sobbed. Yeah, that yeah. was notebook. The notebook. Yeah. You're going through There's it. There's lots man. of little cries. Lots of little cries. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Momentary so. ones. I think the last like sort of ugly cry I had in a movie. <laughs> ugly cry. The ugly. Actually, no. Uh, Avengers Endgame, dude. Oh, yeah? Oh, Avengers Endgame. My entire theater was sniffles. Oh. I was just uh, like tears flowing down my shirt. Like it was yeah. bad. Especially that last half an hour. No spoilers. But actually, by the time this podcast comes out, like, you should have seen pod- You should have seen the movie. So I'm not going to say. Oh, uh, okay. Quack will cover his ears. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Let's just say, uh, br- bring some Kleenex, man. Bring some Kleenex. Um, Claire, man, we did this, man. We did the damn thing. Thank you. This is one of the longest podcasts we've ever done. My pleasure. Thanks for the I'm happy. And Lots y- of great questions. I love good questions y- with good people. You made up. You made up for the time that Adam uh, Adam gifted us. A so shout out to Adam. Uh, we'll get you back on the podcast, and I'll ask. You know, we'll slow down the pace a little bit. Um, last question for you in this rapid fire round. You've given us so much over here, but I want to understand what the best piece of advice you ever received was. Came in the form of cufflinks. Be yourself. I think we always. We talk about social media, we talk about likes, we talk about influencers and trying to emulate other people. And when I was, through my career, I've had a bunch of struggles. And early on, one of my, one of my first ones, my parents gave me these cufflinks that said, be yourself. And that was, I still have them beside me on my, uh, on my bed today. And that's, uh, that's, that's it. Dude, I love that, man. We met maybe four or five years ago. It's mm-hmm. been a while. And I remember one of the first conversations we ever had 
was about uh, how do we brand ourselves online? How do we present ourselves and how do we show up? And I remember that we were both going through inflection points in our career. You were trying to find your voice. I was in the middle of a voice that didn't quite make sense to me. Uh, and it's been just wild to see where we are now. I think that we are both living our, living our lives online in a way that feels true to us. And uh, I think that we both kept each other accountable and honest throughout that time. So I just want to say thank you, man. This has been an absolute pleasure. Likewise. Not just to know you and, and, and be a friend and to be a mentee of yours, um, but just, just to have you doing the work that you're doing out in the world. It makes me happy knowing that when I'm teaching at Ryerson, I just think, you know, subconsciously, Blair's out there doing the same thing at George Brown and the world is becoming a, a little bit of a better place with the few students that we can reach. Well, likewise. And uh, I'm, I'm honored and flattered and you're uh, a, a mentor of mine too, uh, one who I, who I look, uh, look up to. Uh, you, it's funny you asked me a book that is a must read. Uh, read the Burnout Gamble, gang, gang. Hamza Khan. Uh, <laughs> I read that when I was traveling through uh, through Croatia and Slovenia this past summer, and to King's Landing. Man. It was yeah. uh, fantastic there. Yeah, 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 for sure. But I didn't. I'd heard about burnout. I've never experienced it. But hearing your story and and seeing just that physical or hearing about that physical reaction was very. Um, eye-opening it helped me know you in a different way and then there was lots of um, really great very practical tips to help people who might be dealing with the same thing so um, thanks for having me here and you're uh, you're I I, I learned from you on a a daily basis uh, trolling you on social dude I, I don't know about saving I, you saving inspirations and stuff so yeah you helped me uh, up my game as well so oh man pleasure's all mine man thank you man we should probably change that question what was the last podcast that made you cry man like, <laughs> it's gonna be this one <laughs> before before we reach over and grab the kleenex um what are some projects you've got going on right now i mean are you developing any more courses for the cma so right now it's i'm in execution mode okay um, tell me about launching, it. launching uh well Launched and are rolling out a content marketing course at George Brown College. Um, Have been uh, working on a digital marketing studio at George Brown College as well. So we're creating a live learning space that's kitted up with software from Hootsuite and Brandwatch where we can actually bring learning to life. Wow. So that's literally happening right now. So those are two big, uh, big, big time investments. Amazing. And um, once those are finished, you know what? I'm honestly kind of sorting out what the where what I can allocate some of my time to, um, probably towards the uh, late summer and uh, and fall. But there's a lot of good things happening at the, uh, the George Brown front that I'm I'm excited about and uh, just right into. And are we staying local for 2019, or is there going to be a trip like there was last year? Uh, always try to find uh, find time to travel. We're staying local to the very end of 2019, okay. mid December to mid January, heading to Vietnam Yo. and uh, Vietnam, Thailand, maybe Cambodia. Sorting wow. it out. First time. Yeah, first I'm time. So to, excited for you, man. Uh, first time to to Southeast Asia. First That's time amazing. Asia, That's amazing. So, yeah. Any uh, if you've got any any of your followers, any listeners who have tips, especially Vietnam, we're going to spend most of our time there. Are you? I would love. Oh Pingy, man. Let Hamza know. Uh, 
please share. Raf, uh, I know Raf's listening to this as well. He recently got back with his partner doing that exact same trip over there. And he's very much an adventurous dude just like yourself. Yep. Um, I'm sure he can hook you up with some solid recommendations. Cool. And, uh, and he's got spots. a great podcast. And food spots as well. He's got a great podcast. I should connect the two of you as well. Uh, it'd be cool to see you get you know plugged into, in, in, into that awesome. world. Uh, the Canvas series and uh, all the things that he's doing with my technique. Blair Smith, and where can people follow your adventures online before we sign off? Yep, for sure. You can uh, you can follow me. Uh, my website is BlairAASmith.com. I've got two middle names, so B-L-A-I-R-A-A Smith, S-M-I-T-H.com. And LinkedIn, Instagram, and Twitter is at BlairAASmith as well. That's it. Any George Brown students listening to this right now, any prospective students, what is your course code? What are the course codes? Uh, that you're teaching right now. We got we got to make sure they're, they're making the right choices here. For they're sure. going to Adam, Adam's class, I'm going to come to your class as well. So it's a digital media marketing post-grad certificate. Uh, the code is B413. Boom. And the courses that I teach are content marketing, Mark 4022. Nice. Social media marketing, <laughs> Mark 1051. And analytics for digital marketing, Mark 4021. That's it. Do you take attendance in your classes? I do, so I take attendance the first week because the class list has uh, names as like on driver's license yeah. and stuff, but it's not necessarily not necessarily the names people want to be called. Gotcha. So I always cross-reference the list with the name you want to be called, and then that's it. Otherwise, it's up to you if you're uh, motivated and want to come to class that week. It's I'm here for you, but Just drop I'm in, not. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm not. I'm not your parent. I'm not here to monitor your uh, your time and your learning. It's it's your decision to choose to want to come there, and I do my best to create the experiences that make you uh, want to show up. There we go. There you have it, friends. Blair Smith, thanks for doing this, brother. Thanks this is an time. absolute pleasure. Thank yeah, you so much, man. For sure. Another Fire Ideas into Action episode with a special, insightful guest. Thank you so much for tuning in. Next week, the grand finale of season one. Let's do this. Awesome. We're out. <laughs>